If you have Bibles with you, would you please turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. It's good to be here this morning. I was trying to work out when I was last here, but it was in the spring sometime and I can't remember very well. Um, But it's great to see many people who we know and love here. Steve asked me to preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I'm, of course, very happy to do. Uh, that's, uh, that's not a challenge at all. Um, but I'm probably going to try and do it from a slightly different angle this morning if I can, uh, because sometimes the baptism of the Holy Spirit is seen like uh, us somehow receiving life from God as individuals, which soups us up, makes us better, stronger individuals, and so on. And of course, that's not wrong. That's absolutely right. Uh, but actually it's much bigger and it's much more than that. Um, And so I want to go back to the original story of Jesus sending his Holy Spirit to, to the church because it comes to a people. It comes to a bunch of people who are together. It is a corporate outpouring and a corporate blessing. And I suppose what I want to try and do is somehow, um, you know, sort of, Offer to people who are feeling perhaps not as strong as they could be spiritually, uh, you know, well, there's more. And there is more. And that's on offer this morning. But, but actually to try and challenge us as a group of God's people together to seek much more corporately this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that God wants to pour out. And by way of introduction, just sort of tell you where I've been the last couple of weeks. A couple of weekends ago, I was in the uh, city of Lille in northern France uh, in an area called (laughs) Watrelot. Yes, and Rachel was there with us. She's cheering here. Um, And one of the things that we were doing a couple of weeks ago on that Sunday morning was to, to send out a church planting team to another area of the city. Uh, a place called Les, and um, there were eight people who were standing up there for us just to sort of commission them and send them out and encourage them on their way. And I thought to myself, this is powerful. I mean, eight people look pretty weak, don't they, just on their own. But, But eight people absolutely sodden and baptized in the Holy Spirit can do remarkable things for God and can see all sorts of things happen. And I couldn't help but think back to this chapter and think, well, the disciples were pretty weak really before God got hold of them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were full of sort of doubts and questions and where's this going and what's going on. And and this thing with Jesus didn't end quite as we'd expected to end and so on. Um, but, but when the Holy Spirit got hold of them, they were different people. And I found myself praying for this group, you know, that God would get hold of them with the power of the Holy Spirit and transform their weakness into a sense of his anointed power uh, for, for their situation. They would start to see all sorts of things happen that they'd never even dreamt of. Well, this last week, uh, Lorraine and I were also up in Leeds, 
uh, with the team that have gone up to plant a church there led by Rich and Kate Colbrook, whom all of you know, and I'm sure many of you here have heard about Leeds and probably, you know, Richard sidled up to you at some point and said, have you thought of coming to Leeds? Because that's who Rich is. Um, well, how many were there in the room? A dozen or so were there in the room that we were in on Wednesday evening in, in Rich and Kate's uh, front room. They've already had their first conversion, as some of you may have heard. Uh, this is just very, very exciting. A Chinese girl who came to Leeds to go on a course that one of our team members is on um, has a sister who's living in Canada who's obviously got born again. So... As she was leaving Shanghai to come to Leeds, her sister gets in touch with her and says, one thing you need to do when you go to the UK is get in touch with the church and find God. It's the most amazing thing that's happened to me. And so this girl sitting in this course alongside uh, our team member leans over and says, are you by any chance a Christian? Boing. So, Esther immediately says, well, I am, as it so happens. Can I come to church with you? Now, all this tells you, all this tells you is that God's already on the move. Okay, it's not up to this team to sort of produce everything and strain and strive and struggle. God has already decided to do some things here. And so she comes along to their meeting. Anyway, the long and short is she gets... She, you know, she just gets, she falls into the kingdom, gets born again. And so, of course, everybody is on a high. And what's more, um, in the previous two days, two people had got jobs, uh, which they've been praying for. And so God's breaking through. And, and again, I started thinking of this passage and thinking, what happens when a group of ordinary people get baptized in the Holy Spirit and go on an adventure with God? And that's what this baptism in the Holy Spirit is all about. It's not just a personal blessing for you, although you will be blessed if you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is anybody here this morning? You know, I'd like to see a few smiles and sort of nods and things like that. You know, you will be blessed if you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Will anybody say amen to that? Thank you very much. Good. Okay. Um, But it's not about you. I mean, it is partly about you, but it's about us. It's about the people of God getting filled with his power and his presence and being transformed and going on an adventure with him. So here's the promise, first of all, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says this to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, here's the promise of the Holy Spirit coming. You will receive power. This is no half-hearted promise by Jesus. This is not a sort of, and you'll feel a little bit more encouraged as you receive the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, this Holy Spirit is not given to maintain the people of God as they are, but to transform them. It's to help them go on mission. It's going to project them out, not only in Jerusalem, but Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what the power is for. The power is to go on mission. 
And this Acts of the Apostles story, which some theologians said should really be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, and perhaps it should because the Holy Spirit is the chief actor in this story. He's what it's up to. Um, This Acts of the Apostles is a great adventure of the Holy Spirit leading apostles in a new sense of the presence of God, in a new sense of mission. And if our missional communities, for instance... If our missional communities are going to do the job of the mission, they're going to have to be centered on the life and power of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be able to do what God wants us to do in this exciting adventure of taking the gospel out to all sorts of other people without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need it right there in the center. And so, and so what we're looking for is for all of our missional communities to be thoroughly baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we're going out in the power of God. And what's more, God's acting before us, around us, through us, with us. But he's there before we're there. He's on the move already. We prayed for the city of Oxford this morning. Great stuff. And we've got to believe that God's out there already. And he's choosing people who are going to follow him. And he's acting in their lives. And all we have to do is to come in and get alongside what the Holy Spirit is doing and follow him. So here's the fulfillment, Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. There's something about unity of heart that brings down the blessing of God. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Verse 14, I'm sorry, I'd love to read the whole chapter, but it's a little bit of a long story, but... Breaking in and out of it is difficult. Verse 14, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was promised by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood, fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So 
the Holy Spirit comes in power to launch his church out. And Peter gets up on his, on his feet to explain that a whole new age of the Holy Spirit has begun. And it hasn't stopped. We're still in this new age of the Holy Spirit where it's not one anointed person, a Messiah who's full of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus, having gone to heaven, pours out the Holy Spirit on all sorts of ordinary people, young and old, and all of them will be possessors of this power and anointing that is upon them. Let me just try and unwrap one or two things, if I can, this morning. How does this Holy Spirit come? Well, well, first of all, please don't get hung up on the phrase baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because there are several phrases that are used in the Acts of the Apostles. One is baptism. That, by the way, is a picture from the cloth dyeing industry. Uh, it's what you do when you've got some faded old garment, or it's not what we used to do when we were young, but we don't do it now. We just chuck it away and go and buy something else. But in the old days that some of us here are old enough to remember, we used to re-dye things a different color, which, you know, was just made life very uh, interesting. So you stuck your, your dye in a pan or something on the hob, and then you, then you shoved your garment in it. Does anybody else remember this? Yes, there's a handful of us old geese. Jesus, um, you know, who can remember having done this. A few young people have never prayed, played about with it. Tough, uh, but it's good fun. Anyway, well, now the problem then is, of course, that sometimes you pull out your garment and it's not fully dyed. It's not all the same color. So you have to shove it down again. And that's in the terminology here, that's rebaptizing. Okay, it, you just keep dunking it down and dunking it down and dunking it down until it's all a uniform color. That's why some of us need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and rebaptized in the Holy Spirit and rebaptized in the Holy Spirit. And as Paul says to the Christians in Ephesus, go on being filled with the Spirit because uh, we, we need to go on, you know, Getting this anointing from God which causes us to look like God and to have his character even as we walk here on the earth. And that's the promise that we can have his character as we walk here on the earth. But the Acts of the Apostles also talks about the Holy Spirit coming on people, the Holy Spirit filling people, the Holy Spirit being poured out from above talks about people receiving the Spirit, talks about the Holy Spirit falling on people. There's a whole variety of phrases that are used for this encounter with the Holy Spirit. All of them are good. Use them all. <laughs> the important thing at the end of it is you've got the Spirit in you. Uh, it's not, he's not somewhere over there. He's right here in you, on you, with you. You can walk in the Spirit. You can walk by the Spirit. You can walk through the Spirit. You can live by the Spirit. He's part of your life. Thank you very much. Good. How does this Holy Spirit come? Well, well one of the things, and I'm going to provoke you a bit this morning. So um, here, fasten your seatbelts. All right. One, one of the things is, <laughs> I love seeing that, well done. One of the things is, um, he often comes with a gift of tongues. Now, there was a time when many churches and many denominational churches were 
pretty tired and pretty boring. Uh, this is before the time of most of you. It's just George and I who remember this time, because um, we are a, cer a certain age. But um, they were very quiet, deathly quiet, uh, very orderly, deathly orderly. Um, and you would stand up, sing a hymn, sit down, somebody pray, stand up, sing a hymn, sit down, somebody read the Bible. It was um, anyway. You don't need to know the whole sort of thing. But what started to happen across lots and lots of denominations, and it happened in the Catholic Church, it happened in the Anglican Church, it happened in Baptist churches and Methodist churches, was that a wave of the Holy Spirit started being poured over lots and lots and lots of denominational churches, and people started getting excited about this possibility that we could all be filled with the Holy Spirit. And people started getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit came upon them in one way or another as they were prayed for. Uh, and, and one of the great things was they started to speak in other tongues again. This wasn't always well received by all these denominational churches, denominational churches who liked things a little bit more orderly and did disturb the peace of some, but they were exciting times as people began to understand that God was close and God wanted to fill us all up and God wanted us to... He wanted to release our praise. And there were lots of books written about this time. I'm talking about something that was called the charismatic renewal, the charismatic movement, which actually indiscriminately hit all denominations. It, one of, it was a massive revival movement at the end of the 60s, early 70s, 80s, uh, a massive revival movement that hit lots and lots of churches. And in the midst of all this, everybody got excited that they had a personal relationship with God. It was intimate. It was close. Uh, it was for real. And what's more, you could start speaking heavenly languages and you could pray out in heavenly languages. And this was such a delightful thing as we began to understand that God was sending heaven to earth, but allowing people on the earth to communicate with heaven as well. These were exciting days. They were. Thank you very much, Lorraine. They were. What's happened in the charismatic churches is a lot of people got a bit, bit of embarrassed about that. Speaking in tongues in church. Isn't that going to put people off? Uh, I don't think so. Not when they touch the presence of God. We saw this Chinese girl get baptized in the Holy Spirit on Wednesday evening in Rich's uh, front room there. What a delight to pray with this girl whose name is Heidi. That's not her real name, of course, but they have a, uh, a way of taking Western names when they, when they, anyway. And suddenly she says, oh, oh, I felt a hand all over me just here, just caressing me like this. There was no hand there. Our hands might have been on her back or on her shoulder, but, but not here. And she said, oh, I felt a hand. And oh, I felt all warm. So the Holy Spirit came upon me. Oh, and, and, and what, what, what's this tongue thing I'm hearing? Because the Holy Spirit was there in power. Now, I don't want to hype up experiences. That's not what I'm about. I'm just trying to encourage us not to be embarrassed about the good gifts of God through the Holy Spirit. And time and time again in the Acts of the Apostles, 
The Holy Spirit fell on people and they knew it because they spoke in tongues. And I'm, I don't need to make this a qualification at all. It's just a gift. It's a gift that allows us to release our prayer towards God. When we come to the end of what we can pray in our own native language, if that's English, English, or whatever your language might be, whatever. but when you come to the end of that and you still want to pour your heart out to God, you still want to communicate with God, how do you do it? The answer is in tongues, isn't it, Ruth? <laughs> She's been pouring her heart out to God and often come to the end of herself these last few months. Yeah? But what a precious gift to be able to continue to say, Oh, si karuna mastanda kanika tabasanda. Now, I'm emphasizing this to say, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you know. You know. Whenever the Holy Spirit came on people in Acts of the Apostles' story, everybody knew. Came on people in Samaria, eventually when the apostles came down and prayed with them, bang, they all knew. Came on Cornelius in his house, bang, they all knew. When the Holy Spirit turns up, you know. And I want to encourage you this morning, this gift of the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, is available to us all. But I want to encourage us, as a group of God's people, not to be embarrassed. I got a sudden shock. I thought, it can't be 20 to 1 already. I haven't haven't preached that long yet, but nobody's put the clock back, so I'll keep my eye on it. Um, And when, when the Holy Spirit came on a gathering, they knew something happened. They were seized with faith and the reality of the presence of God. And many of them spoke in other tongues and so on. How does he come? Often with a gift of tongues. But clearly, whatever happens, something happens. Not nothing. Hello? Something happens when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And it was often to do with power for witness. They were transformed from timid people hiding up in an upper room, sort of waiting fearfully for this gift to come. They were transformed by the power of God and they couldn't stop talking of what they'd seen and what they'd heard and what they knew of Jesus. They couldn't stop talking about it. There was a transformation that took place. Now I want to suggest to you that transformation still needs to take place in some of us who are bound by timidity and fear, where God wants to put such a powerful anointing of his Holy Spirit on us that we are unafraid and unashamed of the Jesus we know and love and who has changed our lives and who has saved us forever and ever. Amen? And he wants to make us unashamed in this world to do that. This powerful baptism of the Holy Spirit launches the church on mission into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, amongst non-Jews in Antioch, in Ephesus, etc., etc., and eventually reaches Rome. So, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, I would like to try and show you, if I can, this morning, uh, three important things that the Holy Spirit does. And that he does in the life of this early church, which was feeling its way. 
One of the things I would love to suggest to you is, is somehow if we could lay our, aside our sophistication, so I can't even say it, our sophistication and go on an adventure with the Holy Spirit again. Some of us, years back, got excited about God and started to go on an adventure with the Holy Spirit and have since slowed down. So there's nothing very new and nothing very exciting and no great adventure and no prayers of faith that we're seeing God really answer in dramatic ways. And our Christian life has become a little bit tame. Hello. And I think God wants to say, I'd love to baptize you all in the Holy Spirit again and take you on a fresh adventure. It's time for the church to arise in the presence and power of God again and go on this adventure of faith with Jesus. For those who are honest enough and humble enough to say, there's more. I've had the privilege over the years of being in several different revival centers at various times. I don't necessarily hold these up as models or say that we have to be like them. That's not what I'm after by telling stories. One of my favorite places was in a jail in Argentina. This jail was called Olmos Jail. And Argentina as a nation was in a time of revival. Several very small churches grew into, grew into very large churches by the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit. One of these churches, a bunch of friends and I went to, what actually happened was there was a girl from Oxfordshire um, who I had known for years and years who took a year out in Buenos Aires. And uh, she started to write emails back. Now, I need to tell you about this girl. She, she was... 18 when she went for this year out she had one foot in the world and one foot in the church and couldn't make up her mind which she really wanted she was sort of stuck with God she knew that God was real and true and she had to follow him but at the same time she wanted a good dose of the world as, as well does anybody here understand that tension so she goes off to Buenos Aires she says to me a couple of days before she's going, Steve, can you recommend any churches there? Well, I hadn't been to Buenos Aires. I didn't know who's, so I rang up a friend and I said, I know you've been to Argentina. You know, can you give me an address of any churches that you know? He gave me one address of one pastor who led a church called the Rey de Reyes Church, the King of Kings Church. And, uh, and I sent this to this girl. And it turned out that she was living one block down the road from this church. When God sets you up, you are set up good and proper. So she's living down there. She starts going to this church, which is about 5,000 strong. But a few years previously had been a dozen. But God was doing a powerful work here. And she started to send email after email back. And the most remarkable thing about this was... It was clear as I read these emails that her heart was changing, that God was doing a remarkable transformation in her own heart as she sat in the presence of God, lived in the presence of God for this period of time. And 
how her desires were being changed and her, you know, her passionate love for the Lord Jesus was being kindled by the Holy Spirit. It was just wonderful. One day I received one of these emails which was so tremendous that later on in the afternoon, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine called Barney Coombs over in North America. And I said, Barney, listen to this. And I read out the whole email. I mean, it was a gigantic thing. I th- it went quiet on the other end of the phone. And Barney said to me, Steve, we've got to go. We've got to touch this. And that was how a group of eight to ten of us, pastors, went to just have a taste of what God was doing in this nation, which was very, very precious indeed. One of the things we did was to go to almost jail. In almost jail, there were 3,500 prisoners of the very worst category, murderers, rapists, those involved in all sorts of violent crime. But at the time that we went there and we were allowed in (laughs) for an afternoon, 1,560 of those prisoners had become Christians. And they were part of this church uh, in almost jail and we went there um, I'm telling this story because it's not like most churches it was just such a sovereign work of God that he had done by his but it made me hungry it made me hungry for touching more of the life and power of the Holy Spirit and uh, we went and we talked to the man who'd started this ministry off. He was, a, he was a, um, a prison officer. He'd applied for the job because God had spoken to him that he wanted to do something in this prison. And so he took a job in order to be there. And eventually they had a Christian concert one night. 400 prisoners came and were locked in <laughs> to this Christian concert where people gave testimony and told their story. And 200 were born again that night. And that was the start of this thing. Um, and we heard this story and then we went across to this chapel area. As we walked across the yard, we heard people shouting at the top of their voices, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. People just, you know, these prisoners just chanting the name of Jesus. It was so powerful. I'm walking across the yard with uh, my friend Bryn right by my side and he looks at me his eyes stand out and he says oh steve he says they're behind bars but they're free i wish i'd thought to say that but it was Bryn. <laughs> typically you can't think of the right thing to say at the time can you Bryn, Bryn said it he got it he encapsulated it it was it was wonderful we went in there and there there's a thousand of the biggest burliest um, you know, scruffiest <laughs> prisoners all worshipping Jesus. And there we are, eight to ten pastors who look very out of place in this, in, in this setting. And so they say to us, what are you going to speak then? You didn't come here just to watch us, did you? So we nominated Barney <laughs> to speak. And, and by, he just stood up and said, he said, we have touched something phenomenal today. You know, men build all sorts of cathedrals and church buildings to be houses of prayer. 
but God has fashioned a house of prayer in this place in almost jail. The presence of God is here. And we're delighted just to touch the presence of God here. A community baptized in the Holy Spirit whose passion is God. Oh, by the way, to be a member of this church, you could be a member or you could be an associate. To be a member of the church, you had to agree that you would pray for six hours per day. Well, of course, they did have some time. You understand they had time on their hands. But it's not everybody's cup of tea to pray, you know, six hours a day. But if you wanted to be a full member, you were praying six hours a day. And you would pray two hours for your cellmates and for other people in the prison uh, for God to move on them. And then you pray two hours for the nation of Argentina and for your family and friends, for God to rescue them from their life of sin. And then you pray for two hours for the nations of the world who are on their screen. We said, we want to put our nations on your screen, please. Can Can you pray for us? They said, yes, but can we pray for you while you're here? So, uh, so here we go. I forgot your name. What's your name? Simon. Simon, Simon, Simon. Simon. So they had a very vigorous way of praying for people. <laughs> and they would, uh, they would get hold of you. They, these burly men sort of came around you. And you were very aware, you were very aware of sort of things in your bags and cameras and all this sort of, they were all redeemed, of course they were all redeemed, but you know, you were still very aware of, uh, you know, being there at their mercy. Anyway, they were praying, mass, 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 mass. Now, now the only thing you could do, Simon, when they were hitting you this hard, because I was very gentle with you, was you, you think to yourself, these hands are coming over you like this, so that you can get more of the Holy Spirit. The only thing you can do is fall down, please. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. So, so, so you would lie down and think, oh, I'll just, I'll just, in, I'll just, I'll just enjoy this life of the Holy Spirit. Okay, but no such luck. <laughs> They lift you up and they go, mass, 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 mass. more, 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 more. Because they wanted us not just to have a little anointing. Hey, get back. <laughs> and then they pull us up again. Mass, 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 mass. Thank you very much, Simon. You've done a great job. But we got well and truly baptized died, thoroughly soaked, not just a little touch. And when you saw the transformation that was going on in these people's lives, you know, you wanted it. You wanted it. They started to pray for a way of exporting the life that they had in this jail outside. And they said, Lord, you've given us such phenomenal life, but we need you to help us take it out. But n- none of them were going anywhere in the near future, you understand. They all had long-term jail sentences. But the prison authorities started to recognize that this jail was being transformed by this revival. And they said to themselves, 
maybe we should move some of these prisoners into other jails. <laughs> and so began a strategy of church planting by the prison authorities who were not Christians. They started sending bunches of prisoners into other jails so that other jails could be transformed by the power of God. I don't know the rest of the story. That was a few years ago. Uh, It was just a privilege to touch it at various times. God gives you a window into something. You say, oh, oh, yes. And, you know, actually, it's not just in big gatherings. Sometimes you go somewhere, a handful of people, in an isolated situation. I remember, I remember the time I went to China and God opened the door for us to meet some people who were doing significant things. In particular, one lady church leader. All the men had been, all the men leaders in the church had been creamed off and sent to labor camps to leave the church leaderless. This lady was seminary trained, and she simply went round all these small groups, raising up new leaders, teaching them the Bible. This was a time when the word of the Lord was rare, and uh, pages of the Bible would be passed from group to group to group to group. It's all transformed now. But you touch the presence of God in these places, and you touch people who believe in the power of God, who are not intimidated by the pressure of this world, but who are so filled with the Holy Spirit that they may be discreet, but they won't be kept down because they've touched the presence and the power of God. Now, this talk is not going quite as I'd planned. (laughs) Because if I can this morning, I want to try and impart something which is a passion for more of God. It's as simple as that. And a hunger to get hold of the transforming power of God in your life and mine. The problem for a place like Oxford, those who don't know me will know I spent years here in Oxford. But the problem for a place like Oxford is we feed all parts of our beings, our minds and our souls and our appetites and all the rest of it, but the most vital part, the spirit within us that unites us with God, the Holy Spirit, gets starved. We become, as C.S. Lewis put it, clever devils. Instead of people who are so passionately centered on God. But they'll hunger and thirst after him. They'll want to be filled with him. They want to do his will. They, they want him right at the center of their missional community and their church. More than anything else. That's what we want because we're hungry for more. 
And we want to be a revival center. Who wants their missional community to be a revival center? Where people can touch the power of God. Three things I said I was going to say that the Holy Spirit did. Did you remember that about half an hour ago? Okay. First one, the Holy Spirit acted himself spontaneously, powerfully to do God's work. He's the main actor. The Holy Spirit is central in this story. Uh, Whatever the apostles do, they do in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit falls on people. There are healings and deliverances. Ananias and Sapphira, oh, you might not like that bit. They lie to the Holy Spirit. That finishes them off. It's almost like God saying, this is a holy community. And uh, if we're going to be this passionate, spirit-filled community, we need to understand that. There were healing by Peter's shadow. There was Philip's ministry in Samaria of healing and deliverance. There's Paul's conversion. He's first struck blind, and then he's healed by the power of God. What's going on in this man? Well, God was getting hold of him and shaking him because he wanted him to be used for his purposes. There's Agabus who's prophesying stuff that comes true. There's Peter's miraculous escape from prison. There's an elders meeting at Antioch where they say, I want you to send your two best leaders out. Churches don't like that very much, but there didn't seem to be any question asked about it. Why? Because they're a community of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was at the foundation of this church in Antioch, and so they were sent out. There was a release of the apostles from jail in Philippi. Use of handkerchiefs and aprons to carry healing. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All we need to do is pray over a handkerchief. Off you go. You could empty the JR like that. Anyway, when God tells you, do it. There was a man who used to live in, this, in, in Abingdon, actually, who actually his ministry was praying daily over handkerchiefs, send them across the country. The testimonies of people who got healed from that was quite wrong because he believed in it. Because all of this depends on faith. Eutychus is raised from the dead at Troas. There's a miraculous deliverance through shipwreck. There's all sorts of supernatural things that the Holy Spirit himself is doing in this great story. Secondly, the structural adjustment. Actually, it is really, really great how the Holy Spirit guides the church and blesses the church through supernatural action and then also shapes the church. It's practical daily life, the appointment of deacons, for instance. The pattern of church life, breaking bread, fellowship, teaching, and prayer. Um, Laying foundations at Antioch, appointing elders in churches in Acts 14. The Council of Jerusalem, chapter 15, was a big, (laughs) a big turning point at which the conclusion was, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They get the order right. (laughs) The Holy Spirit shaping This teaching of the church, not to burden the saints of God, but just to say, flee from idolatry and immorality. Those two things, and walk with God. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit kept pushing them out on mission. Pushing them out on mission. So, church gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, and here's the problem. For people who get baptized in the Holy Spirit, they love it. And they want to stay right there. In some blessing meeting. But that wasn't God's plan. 
So he arranges a little persecution, push them out. And in the end, some of them land down in Samaria, which they hadn't dreamt of going because they were loving it in Jerusalem. Um, but they end up, uh, it should be up in Samaria, shouldn't it? It's up in Samaria. Um, and, and so this church is born in Samaria as Philip speaks and then the apostles come down. Um, chapter 10, Peter's there in Cornelius' house. The Holy Spirit takes a place in making clear that he loves non-Jews as much as he loves Jews and he wants to save them as well. The sending out of Paul and Barnabas on mission. Paul sees, eventually as he's going from place to place, a man from Macedonia. He gets this vision of a man from Macedonia. The whole shape of the mission is redirected. As Paul gets another vision, hears something from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is pushing the church out, pushing the church out, pushing the church out. That's what he wants to do with us. And strategies are Paul motivators. And I like strategy. But strategies are Paul motivators. What we need is for the Holy Spirit to break timidity in our hearts. And so fill us with a sense of the presence and the power of God. Ah, we want everybody to know this love of Christ that we've come to experience. Amen? We want everybody to know it. We can't stop talking about it. And we recognize that this gag that either the world or our fear puts on us to stop us talking, our uncertainty, our self-doubt is a massive limiter to this power of the Holy Spirit who wants to send us out to speak for him. Anybody say amen? Okay. Who wants to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay. All right. I don't know how to do this now. I don't know how to bring this up. Have you got any ideas, Steve? No. <laughs> I don't want to put pressure on anyone. Um, can we have some musicians? Let's start there. Now, I'll tell you what. Before you go up there, we want to pray for you. Come here. If ever... Yes, come here. Come here. Come here. Have you got a band? Yeah, Okay. Look, musicians need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, don't they? Okay, they need to lead us with anointing. <laughs> okay, who's going to come and lay some hands on these people? Come, on, just come and lay hands on the musicians and we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for them together. I want, some, I want somebody with hands laid on every one of these people. And we're just going to pray that God touches them and fills them. That's right. Yeah, yeah, good. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, fill them up, Lord. Now, just pray for them. Just pray for the Holy Spirit to fill them up, to fill them up, to anoint them more. Gemma, you were anointed this morning, but God wants to anoint you with more more Vicky you were anointed this morning God wants to anoint you with more Lois Chris God wants to anoint you more 
Shekola basando kanana masando kandanda basanda kasinde robo sando ranamasanda. Do a leading prayer for me. Go on. Thank you, Jesus. Soki la basanda. Yes. <laughs> if you could just turn him on. I think I'm on. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah come, Thank Holy you. Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we welcome you. We thank you that we have a bunch of people here who want more of you, whose yes. hearts sang and resonated. Steve spoke of the desire for more. Lord, we thank you that you don't birth that desire in us to leave it dissatisfied. Yeah. But you birth that desire in us because you long to fill us. You long to satisfy yes. us. We pray for more Send in it down, Jesus' Lord. name. We pray Send for down more. That anointing. In Thank Jesus' you, name, Lord, we pray for heaven to come to earth, to spirit lands upon these brothers and sisters whom you dearly love. Come, Lord. Flood into them, Lord. Flood into them. More of you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Soki la basanda. Hoki la basanda ranamasanda. Yeshti kosanda ranamasanda. Father, I pray that you would banish from their hearts, hesitation yes. concerning your love yes. for them. Thank you, Lord. The hesitation Soki about the calling that you've placed upon them. Ask for liberty in Jesus' yes. name. Thank you, Lord. Yes. I pray for authority and confidence yes. to speak Hosi for you, Kando, to sing Rabba for you, to play for you. Send it down, Lord. Send it down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Hallelujah. Lord Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Father, we do ask you for a fresh baptism for these friends of ours. I just just remember in the Old Testament where the the musicians went out ahead. Um, and led the people in praise as they went out to battle. There's something about anointed musicians uh, being the arrowhead for God's people, leading us forward. And Lord, we want to pray that these precious friends of ours will, every one of them, be filled up to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. It won't be just a small, a small anointing, but a big anointing. Uh, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, I want to pray that you touch everyone. I pray for those springs to spring up to eternal life again in them. Out of their belly will flow rivers of living water. We pray for it in the name of Jesus for fresh springs, for a fresh river to flow out from in them. That they might know you as they've never known you. That they might sense your presence as they've never sensed your presence. They might understand your power and your anointing as they never have in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Send it down, Lord. I want each one who's around them to pray for the person right in front of them. Uh, Pray in faith for God to send down all he wants to send down on them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.